afternoon, guys. Phil, Dave, how are you doing? How are we doing, boys? We're back. We're back on a Friday afternoon. Comes around pretty quickly. It flies, in fact. It does, it does, it does indeed. Although our many millions of listeners don't know it's Friday afternoon unless they specifically make a point of actually, you know what, it's Friday afternoon, like Dave says, I'm going to play the podcast. Could be Tuesday <laughs> yeah. morning. Could be well, Sunday. And also, depending night, on where they're listening knows. from. Depending on where they're listening from, exactly. boys. Yeah, exactly. So welcome all. Whatever time of the day you're actually listening to this. I like it. I like it. So I it's like, like it. It's the first full week we've had back into the new year, isn't it? It is. It is. Back in routine yet? Yes. 100% like in the routine, discipline switched on. Let's do it. Without a doubt. You like that kind of stuff, don't you, Dave? I love you like that standard shit. ops. Mate, I love that shit. I love it. Let's you just sound like get Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. I wish I were built like, like him. It, like Have you it. seen the size of the geezer on the le- on the latest? Uh, oh, uh, he's fit as fuck, isn't he? Oh you know my what I mean? word! I mean, physically, he's like superhuman. <laughs> That's what you want to say, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is is a monster. I wish I, I wish, yeah, yeah, I wish I had biceps like that. In fact, I look a bit freakish, wouldn't it? If I thought nothing with biceps like that, I'd look like a Ram Man or something, wouldn't it? Uh, Phil, are you feeling any better, mate? Because uh, you've been really. a bit rough, haven't you? Not really. I'm trying to keep it on the down low, although. I didn't manage to do that in the last uh, recording, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coughing like a good one. So it's the 40 Marlboros a day that I still smoke. That's You've got to stop is. that you know, shit, I haven't mate. smoked for 20 years. I've smoked <laughs> for 20 years. I feel like I'm like mainlining tobacco straight into my lungs at the minute. I'm just not. Just So I'm going to... I'll, 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 I'll tone it down a little bit. You won't hear me. You won't hear me, pal. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, said that last whatever, time. Whatever, mate. Sorry. Couldn't shut you up. Indeed. Nice and tidy. So, I, I just noticed something, Dave, you brought a mate with you. I know, I keep, I've done this quite a bit recently, Anna. I, 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 I've, I've met quite I a know. few people Didn't on the I travels. I have one friend. I know, I know, I know indeed. Well, There's two of us, actually. I, I, I meet people, <laughs> and the fact they're still speaking to me a week later is a good thing in my life. But yeah, yeah, Mr. Dean, Mr. Dean Alden, how are you, buddy? You well? I'm all right, you know. I'm, I'm sick of being sat at home waiting for the next job to come around, but I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm having to do things like this just to get through the day, but... <laughs> See, but nice to meet you, Dean. House. <laughs> nice to meet you, Dean. So you, you're looking for a job then? You're on the, you're on the dole? I am indeed. I'm not quite on the dole just yet, but uh, if you give it another couple of weeks, that might come to fruition, <laughs> but I hope not. I've been, listen, listen, I've been there before. I've been there before, so it doesn't um, it doesn't scare me. I hope it doesn't come to that. I'm, I'm sure I've got a, a body of work behind me which might stand me in good stead for my next role, but if not, then... Uh, I'll find a way like I've done in the past. So do a proper intro then, Dave. In, in, introduce your mate, Dave, Dean. Self. I will do, I will do. So we met, we met via, uh, via a mutual friend uh, at, a gig in, at a gig in London. It was at a posh venue in London as well, weren't it, Dean? And it, we were probably the last two blokes. You know, when you get there, you get there and everyone's, everyone has a brew, get a bit of breakfast, whatever it is, before you go through to do what you're going to do. And I think we were the last two stood drinking tea in like this 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 breakfast area and uh i think we, we were chatting to each other and we got talking you know what you're up to what what you do and i said to dean i said so yeah what well, you know what you're up to and, and he's like well ex-professional footballer and manager and at that point i thought oh, fucking hell he's either going to be really pissed off that i didn't know who he was or he's going to be he's going to be quite chill going thank fuck because they're not going to mind me to death about football so that's where that's that's where we met, and we sort of kept in touch, touch, touch since. But Dean, 
give us a bit of background, mate, for the guy. There'll be plenty of people that know who you are, and there'll be a few that don't. But give us a bit of your background as, a, as who you are. So I'm uh, 44 years old, born in Salford, uh, left school, went to Bolton Wanderers as a, as a YTS as it was back then. Got my debut under big Sam Allardyce. Um, 20 odd games for Bolton, broke my leg for the first time out of, the, out of three. Unfortunately, in my career, I then moved on, played pretty much all over the place in Britain. Spent some time out in Iceland as well um, and retired at 35 with my UEFA Pro licence in my back pocket and immediately got into coaching. Um, started with Dean Smith at Walsall as a player coach. Dean went on to great things at Aston Villa and, um, and Brentford. And I progressed uh, to Bristol City four years as assistant manager, then became the head coach uh, just around COVID. Left them joint seventh in the championship, so clearly I've, I've got over that. Um Went into Stoke City for 18 months as an assistant to Michael O'Neill, the, the the fantastic Northern Ireland manager. And then most recently, I spent just under a year at Charlton Athletic as their manager in League One. Um, unfortunately, got sacked after four games, uh, sorry, five games this season. So I got sacked on August Bank Holiday weekends. This is the longest I've spent in since I left school 28 years ago. This is the longest I've ever spent out of, out of the game, uh, four months, four and a half months, so... Uh, try to use the time as obviously as wisely as I can. Wow. How does that feel to, to, to not be doing what you do on a day-to-day basis? You know, something that's been a massive part of your life for most of your life to not doing it. It's tough, you know, you just, you just spoke about routine there. Once we get out of Christmas, it's good, isn't it, to get the kids back to mm. school, get back, you know, get back to the, I go to yoga most mornings yeah. or to the gym and get into a routine. I think that's good for me mentally, but it is tough because, from leaving school at 16, like I say, this is the only time I've spent out, out of the game. So you, you do become institutionalised to the game. You, you just do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fascination over the years has been around the use of psychology and um, understanding people and what makes them tick. And I think that's a massive part of, of leadership or in coaching and in whatever industry you're working. So that's what I'm continuing to, to do at the moment. I'm going to obviously go into attend loads of games from grassroots up to the Premier League and, and everything in between. I'm going to Burnley Luton tonight. Um, but at the same time, you know, going seeing people in other industries and using the time, you don't get it. When You know, if I get a job tomorrow, I've probably got a game within two days. I've got to understand 25 uh, professional footballers, not just as, as players, but as people, the staff. Wow. You've probably got a game within a couple of days. You've probably got a, a, a press conference. You need to know about the, 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 the fabric of the club, which is massive to me. We... We embedded ourselves as a family, me and my missus, both from Salford, just threw ourselves into South East London this time last Christmas and were there and, and really understood the community. It's a massive part of, of, of the role. I don't think you... I'm sat here watching the the managers now doing the press conferences on Sky in the background. It's something I love to do on a Friday and um, you can see body language. But it's not just about mm-hmm. being sat there and answering questions about tactics. For me, it's about understanding what makes a club different to anyone else. So... Using the time, um, like I said, if I get a job tomorrow, I mean, that's me, 24 hours a day. So using this time now to go into other organisations. I was in at Sales Sharks last week, looking behind the scenes at how they operate into different businesses. Um, just trying to upskill, I suppose, and try to make myself that bit more prepared for when the next opportunity comes around. It must, must be a bit unsettling when you've not got that kind of routine in place. And I, I've been in the corporate world for quite a while. I started working when I was 16. I think I've only been sacked 
or been let go once and the feeling was absolutely awful, feeling useless and how unjust the world is. And that was after about three weeks at an insurance company. What about you, Phil, Dev? Have you been through that kind of feeling of why the fuck has this just happened? What have I done wrong? Yeah, you do go through that thing of going, ultimately, whether you want it or not, like the rug gets pulled from under your feet and it is a rejection. And it is like, what the, what did I do wrong there? Or you go through that sort of soul-searching thing of going, did I do something wrong there? Well, what was the thing? But really, this it, it's like anything. You know, the situation's sort of beyond you. And, and I think it's really hard. To, like, this is my observation. I'd be interested to see what Dean thinks. But, like, to depersonalise something, you know, that, that you kind of, you know, we, we, we're all humans and whether you're sensitive to shit or not, or it's like water off a duck's back, you know, you still can't help but thinking at the point of an exit. I've had, I've had two really, um, one that sort of got drawn out and the other one was, which was, uh, got drawn out because of the legal aspects of it. Um, but it, it, you know, throughout that process, you are thinking, could I have done something different? You know, should I have stuck around? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? And it's very hard to look at it as the opportunity normally is, where you go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> I was making it work as best I could, right? And now I'm mm. out of it. I can see, well, actually, it's not so bad, is it? Actually, the, the world, mm. the, like the, the, a load of opportunities. I mean, I suppose that that's what Dean's talking about, isn't it? It's like, Obviously, you're out of the situation. All of a sudden, the opportunities start emerging, whether it's mm. something aligned to the day-to-day or it's something that's a bit of a tangent, well, not direct tangent, but you know, enough for you to go, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. I'll check that out because I know if I go and find out how sales sharks work or what have you, whatever else, I can learn from that. They'll probably learn from me, and I'll mm. learn from that in wherever I end up next. And, and by the same token, you sort of, you know, you're doing that longer term kind of thing. So I, it's hard in the moment, but then you've got it. There's a point in the way you get, get through it and go, well, actually I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still alive. Still got my family around me. And then, you know, and then it's fair game. I think it's to that, to that point you mentioned before, Dean, about being institutionalized. You, you, I, certainly from my experience of working at different places and possibly yours, Phil, I'll come to you in a second, Dave, but you kind of, you be, I think sometimes you become a little bit more like the people around you than, than you'd like to think. And you almost become dependent on those relationships. I certainly, I've seen that in, you know, in my career. Uh, Dave, what's, what's your experience of this? I know, I know you've, you've, you've pivoted a, a couple of times, haven't you? What's your experience of like completely changing your routine and, and opening your options up again? Well, I've worked for myself for as long as I can remember now. So, uh, I won't say I give you a job. I won't say I've had. I always think, even though I've done different things, it's always been the same sort of job. But a big part of the job that I've always done is pitching for stuff, pitching for new business. So I'm used to getting kicked in nuts and told no. Do you know what I mean? And in the early days, I used to take mm, it really right. fucking personally. And now, my attitude is: if you go in and you're going in, if you go in and you give it 110 percent and you don't get it then there's not much more than you could have done to do that. If you go in at 90% and you don't get it, you don't deserve it. If you get it at 90%, then you've you fluked it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, 
I've had years and years and years of getting kicked in nuts and told no and told no and told no and told no. And I think that's where that discipline and routine comes in. You just got to keep fucking going. You got to pick yourself up, learn from it and keep going because you're only going to fail when you stop. But one of the things I've been thinking about, because I knew you obviously Dean, we knew you were coming, you were coming on is, is I guess we live our lives and our, our profiles with family and to the, to a small amount of people around us, You've got your personal life and your public view of your life. So you can have stuff going on at home and then you've got stuff going on at work. How do you deal with that? Because I, I, I class myself as a good middleman. I'm all right in the middle. I'll front stuff, no problem. But oh my word, to, 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 to take on that level, I guess when things go, everything's going well, everyone's, it's happy days, isn't it? But when you, when things get, you like, for example, when, when, when you, when you, left your last job it's like fucking hell here we go how do you deal with that mate because that must take some serious resilience um i think well life's taught me to deal with that which i might come on to in a minute but i know the parameters of the job like my wife danielle is not is not behind the door she's like well if you're not prepared to accept this then go and get a normal job like whatever normal job is nine to five like there's incredible highs that you just touched on i mean winning a game of football when the whistle goes and you turn around and your wife and your dad and your, your brother, your kids are all in the stand behind you. I swear now there's no feeling like it, even as a player. It's the most magical feeling knowing that you've prepared a team all week for a game plan and you get the result and you see the fans at the end of it and the, the look in their eye. Honest to God, it's the most magical feeling. It's a drug. The, the, the other side of it, of course, is, you know, I've been sacked a couple of times. I mean, it used to be probably 10 years ago, it used to be a bit more shameful than it is now. I think when you start seeing people like Mourinho and that getting sacked, you kind of just go, well, the game's gone a bit mad on it, you know, onto the next, mm-hmm. onto the next challenge and, and, and move and learn and move forward. The difficulty is the pub, is the public side of it. And the, the, the thing I struggle with the most is, is obviously the, the children. So, you know, when I got sacked from Oldham Athletic a couple of years ago, I was working with David Dunn, who Dunn is a top Premier League footballer at Blackburn, as you'll know mm-hmm. well. And because he was the manager, it was big news, even though it was only Oldham Athletic. Sorry, Andy. Only. Um, <laughs> and, um, so, as as we were getting told by the chairman, as we were being told in the office by the owner of the football club that we were getting sacked, it was on the yellow ticker on Sky Sports, behind that him on the telly, so someone had let that mental. out. And at that point, yeah. well, at that point, I'm, I mean, I'm going back at the start of my coaching journey, so I'm going back 20, 10 years ago now, 10, about nine years ago. And at the time, the old man was still working as an engineer. And I, I'm thinking, you like, that's bang out of order. Like, let me ring me old man. And t- he don't want to be reading on Sky or someone on TalkSport yeah. telling him his son's been sacked. It's, you know, because you're building your career at this point. You've got to remember, I, you spend 35, I, I got to 35 as a player. And you'd be going from being a young, uh, sorry, an old player to a young coach in 24 hours. I mean, that's a bit mad as well. I, I never got to the end of a season and had like a, six weeks on holiday to get me. I went middle of the season, November. I was a player on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday I was a coach. And it's that transition. But when I got sat recently, the most recent one at Charlton, it was it was Bank Holiday Sunday. We were at a family music festival around the corner from our house and all the wives are there and from school, the school mums, and they're all having a glass of Prosecco. Kids are on the bouncy castles. And I got a phone call to say, unfortunately, your tenure's come to an immediate end. And uh, it's it's knowing you, it's how you then go and grab Danielle, my wife, and sort of say, right, we need to leave. We've got, you know, I've got some news, you know, and the kids. And it's that, you know, I, I'm, you know, me and my wife, unfortunately, it's public. We, we lost our daughter back in 2012. And that does something to you, which you will never, ever get over. But you, 
well, I wouldn't speak for everyone, unfortunately, but we found a way, mainly through the use of psychology and um, things like that, which have, have prepared me and give me such a thick skin to life that being sacked as a football manager is difficult because I absolutely care so much about this job. I care so much about the club that I'm working for and the people. And it's so tough now when I'm out of work because you think about the missed opportunity. But at the same time, I don't believe in stats. So I became a professional footballer. 0.01% of the population are lucky enough, and I was very lucky to be a professional footballer. Danielle became the face of CITV back in, in the late 90s with Stephen Mullerm. Thousands and thousands of people. She was just a, um, a kid from Salford like me who had no money behind him or anything, who just went for a dream and found the dream and worked yeah. and worked harder than anybody else. And that's what we put into our kids. When you lose a child, 85% of marriages are going to end within two years due to wow. the issues that you face. We, we've overcome them. So the stats that are against you, I, don't, I'm not, I'm a, I am a dreamer. I am a dreamer. I am, a, I am an optimist. I am like, let's make, make the best of life. I am grateful for what I've got as opposed to what I've lost. Don't get me wrong. Behind the, I woke up this morning. I did get in the ice bath as I do every day. And once I got out of it, I had an angry moment. Yeah. You know, I'm getting some pot shots. I'm getting some pot shots coming from my previous club around certain things that went on at the time and I'm not prepared to go public and, and answer them critics because I, I don't believe in that. I believe in keeping me dignity and knowing the truth. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying I don't ever get angry and I'm, I'm Mr. Calm and, you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic all the time, but I've come from nothing and made a career for myself in one of the toughest industries um, and I've had a bit of a setback recently, but it doesn't put me off. Like you said before, Andy, about going down the Dole Centre, like I worked in a butcher's as a kid. I was a paper boy. I got a gun pulled on me on my driving test, would you believe, in the middle of Wally Range. Oh, dear. So Were you driving that we made a pretty tough stuff around there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of being told you failed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It did. I don't... Um, it, 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 instructor. Wasn't instructor. it wasn't the instructor. <laughs> it was like it wasn't going, driving shotgun. Pull now. over now, pal. Stop the car. Stop the car. You know what? I don't. That's, I think that's an exclusive for this. I don't think I've ever mentioned that publicly before. Cause <sighs> I've probably had big. Unfortunately for me, bigger things have happened to me in my life. It's not something that I, I go to, but yeah. it's just it's come to me there when I was thinking about this. I was reversing around a corner, and this guy got off his mountain bike and just. And it was funniest thing ever. It was it was 1996. So right, do you remember boys in the hood? I do. Yeah. I do oh, yeah. remember boys in the hood. He didn't even do that. He, he had it on the side like this. <laughs> no way. <laughs> he did. Um, and but that, that, anyway, but so then was there were the days of Gunchester, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. They were. That, yeah. All that area, yeah. that was where it was just mental. So, did you ever know why, Dean? Or was that just like a random thing? Well, I never got a chance to ask him for that. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think it was. I don't think it was personal. He got no. off his bike. He got off his bike at the front of the car <laughs> because. I'll never forget the instructor said, if you're doing like a three-point turn or something and you, cor- and you get it wrong, don't finish it, just correct it and you won't get marked down. So I was halfway around reversing around the corner. My arse end was miles out. I was, I'd got it wrong. So I stopped, let him go past on his bike. He gets off. He says, get out the, he says, get out the car, you piece of... <laughs> wow. swear. Oh, you can swear, yeah, mate. You, you can swear. We all swear. Piece of shit, he said. I'll never forget it. And... Um, it obviously lasted seconds, but it felt like a light. he got back on his bike and he went through this cemetery and off he went. And the best bit is the instructor never took the wheel, so I stayed at the wheel of the car 
and followed this cop van until he pulled over at these lights, and then oh. we jumped out and said, "We've just been, we've just been held up by it," and uh, that was the end of the test. And luckily, I passed. Wow, that's awesome! <laughs> oh, that was my next question. Well done. <laughs> Did nice you pass? Please to tell you, Mister Holden. <laughs> that's an amazing story. I love that stuff like that. Just lives with you, doesn't it? Like those moments because you don't know, like what that next move might have been from that. Might he might have just. You can't, you know, you can't second guess it. But what if it had pulled the trigger? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you, you know, they talk about fate and stuff like Sliding Doors, one of the best movies ever. Like, yeah. I genuinely believe a little mm. bit in that. I think, yeah. you know, we when CC died, I, mean, I, won't, I won't go too much into detail. But we went on holiday, and she died the first morning of our holiday. And I've tried to book the, the earlier flight that morning and couldn't get it. And we ended up going in the afternoon. And you go in like, if we'd have gone on the earlier flight, would she have caught the infection on the plane? And your brain, wow plays these tricks on you when yeah. I got my Bolton Wonders career ended when I got broke my broken leg because I got sent off against Charlton Athletic for, ironically in the in the quarter in the quarter final of the FA Cup for going face to face with one of their players I didn't headbutt him but we kind of had one of them little, sort of lovable moments where you go lip to lip um, and I got a four game ban for that and I came back played a position in midfield I wouldn't have been playing if I wouldn't have got sent off and then I broke my leg and you go if I wouldn't have got sent off yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have been in the middle of the pitch there to go into that tackle I wouldn't, and that ended my career at the top level that was mm. 16 months out of the game at 19 but I found a way back and I played till I was 35 at whatever level League 1, League 2, SPL in Scotland so I just think genuinely you get dealt a set of cards and you've got to make the best of your hand I really believe in it and mm. I think that's going to I think it has stood me in good stead already in coaching but I you know, all these experiences, I would not have chose any of them clearly, but they don't half help you when it comes to leading a group of particularly young people who you're trying to empathise with mm. kids, you know, kids of today who are going through all these troubles. Sorry for going a bit deep. No, that's no, yeah, it's good. I apologise. That's, that's what we, we end up doing that. We end up doing that. You, I mean, this is, this is a rare opportunity. You know, we sometimes we look back at podcasts because we should have gone a little bit deeper. So don't apologise for, for, for going deep. Um, you mentioned that you know you can go into resilience, and there's there are some things really when we talk about being stoic and resilient. It's like imagine the worst thing that can happen in your life, and that's often the contrast with the best thing that happens in your life. And one of them, you know, for us is becoming a parent is the best thing that can ever happen in your life. And most friends of mine would say exactly the same. So the, to contrast that, one of the worst things that can happen in your in your life is is that loss of CC. How do you cope with that? How you know? What have you learned from that? If you don't mind me asking. First of all, thanks for mentioning the name because you don't hear it too often. So it's nice to it's nice to talk about. Um, the first couple of weeks and months are just you're just trying to survive. I was unfortunately I was out of contract. I was 33. I'd left Rochdale, who'd just been relegated to League Two. I didn't have an agent. I wasn't going to jump to the top of anybody's lists in terms of signings. So. I basically spent the summer trying to get myself... The last thing we needed at that point was for me to to, to, to not bring any money in because that would have obviously just made things a whole lot worse. So it's really interesting. I wish I wish Danielle was here now. and Maybe in the future we could both talk because it's a really fascinating story, really. We're prepared to talk because I think it helps other people, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, we dealt with it. I thrust myself into getting a club and luckily Dean Smith at Walsall was our angel. He literally, We've seen him a few weeks ago and Danielle just burst into tears and threw her arms around him. It was 12 years ago. Because without him that summer, I might have disappeared out of the game. God knows what I'd be doing now, you know. Um, mm. She stuck... We had two other kids. who were, We had three kids under under four. So, Joey and Ellis were like three and two at the time. So, Danielle was, was concentrating on them. 
and trying to re retain some balance to our family. And for a long, long time, we didn't want, we just wanted the most boring life. We just didn't want any surprise. We just, we just wanted like, I'll go to work, I'll go to football, come on. Like, it was so scary. Like, physically, it was, I went through a phase of about four years where I would have done anything to to have somebody walk in and just inject me with something which would have forgot about yeah. seasick. So I never, yeah. I never knew her because the pain of losing was too strong. I'm glad I overcame that. I really am. I think the biggest thing we found was a was a local um, a local group called the Compassionate Friends. Who, if anybody on here is struggling, Google it. It's a, they're all over the country, and it's a basically we found again two of our heroes really who 35 years ago lost their son. He was 13, snowball fighting, went to bed, had a brain aneurysm, never woke up, and. Yeah. You know, these are really tough stories to listen to, but mm. this this is our life, and I don't like sugarcoating things. I talk very boldly and coldly, so I do apologise for that. I don't believe in small talk. I think for for me in the public eye as a football person, Danielle's got a career going now. In, on she's TV presenting Jeremy Vine, and she got her own show on Talk TV. People look up to us because we're so called in the public eye, and we're just the same as anyone else. So we mm. like to we've got to a point now where our purpose, as well as Making our careers the best we can possibly be. Daniel still wants to go on loose swimming all this morning or dancing on ice. I still want to be a Premier League manager. We want our kids to be happy and healthy and, and do as well as they can. But if we can be a beacon of hope for anybody, we, we would love that more than anything. Um, but going to these groups, my parents, my mum used to say to me, well, my mum four years ago, bless her, but we used to go once a month and it's a group of parents who've lost children and there's all kinds of horrendous stories. You've got Hillsborough victims, you've got... Mm. If you remember the group by all the beach, one of the one God, of the parents yeah. from there, the, yeah, 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 you've got you've got suicides, you've got car, you know, it's the most incredibly traumatizing stories. I mean, mum was like, "Why do you keep going there?" But it was the only place in them early years that we felt normal, where we could talk to other people. Mm. Who, you know, when the, we were in Lanzarote, and again, there's another there's a, there's another podcast probably, but we were waiting in the hospital room for a couple of hours, and when the nurse walked in, she had tears in a in a right in a down her face and she walked us down this corridor and we should have gone left and she took us right into this office it, it was like it was like it was like going into a movie it was like I can't tell you and when you go through that when someone else has been through it there's a weird kind of we're in this club together and you're helping yeah. each other um and Danielle is the always been on stage she's always she was Snow White in pantomime she's always like right where's the where's, where's the spotlight Give me the spotlight. I've always been the man in the shadows, the guy, the, the, the quiet one. And and she just stood there with, with tears down her face, Danielle, and just and, and took it literal. And I I just I just lost I just lost the plot. I just smashed up mm -hmm. this I smashed up this office. I just I, I, and I felt like I was having a heart. I mean, if anyone's ever had a panic attack, it was that on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I'm going I'm going I'm just I'm delving. My, my brain's taking over now. But I'm trying to take you to a. I'm, there's only one way of surviving that. You you take drugs for the rest of your life or you find a way. And we had we were 34 years old. I mean, we were two kids from Salford. You didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing. We, they, sent us out of the, they sent us out of the hospital and we sat and cuddled up for a couple of hours afterwards and they sent us out of the hospital into a taxi. And honest to God, you wanted somebody to go, right, cut. Yeah. Yeah. Next, yeah. go back. Right. Yeah. We needed a manual. We needed a manual on here's what you do with the rest of your day, never mind tomorrow. Like, how, like, how are you going to go home and mm. tell you? Like, we were on holiday with my brother and Danielle's sister who were married as well and they've got kids. And 
then you've got a ring. I mean, I'll never forget like the guilt telling my brother so that he could ring my mum and my mum sat at home and every time we got an order, you always, it's that first morning phone call, hey, we've arrived, yeah, going yeah. To the bit, you know, and, it, and what that did to members of our family, and it wasn't our fault, but the guilt that you naturally take on is something that you find really difficult to, because you've, you've, we've all, it's not just me and Danielle's, a lot of, you know, anyway, so here's what we did. We went, we aren't taking antidepressants for the rest of our life. Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way, in the short term, but we had a long life to live. And we went meditation, yoga, Wim Hof. If Again, if no one's heard of him, Google Wim Hof. Magical, magical guy who had a purpose to do what he did. Um, twice a day we're in the ice bath, now, 12 years on. Twice a day meditating. And again, when you, I go back to Dave. You asked me a question before about the public. I bring a lot of. I can't ever complain about my public life within football because I bring a lot of my public life into my work. I'm, I, I show my vulnerabilities a lot. I'm happy to share my vulnerabilities, not only to a group of players and staff, but to the media to talk. Because I can't just talk about losing a game of football or winning a game of football. There's always something bigger to me. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole. So that's what's got us through: is talking to people and biggest things we're campaigning for at the moment is why is counselling and psychological help so expensive? Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. I found a lady locally who, for free, she used to sit in a church hall every Thursday night and no one had ever turned up and I wow, met my sister man. locally, found her for wow. me. And you have to connect with a counsellor, don't you? The, yeah. first one I went mm. to, the first one I went to see was paid for um, and she was sat in a chair and she was looking at me and she was like, bloody hell, that must have been tough. Like, mm. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. I didn't connect and I wasn't ever going to open up. I found this other lady called Julia. Julia was like, went into prisons. She was telling me about one fella that she'd seen who had 12 different personalities and I just buzzed off her and I connected with her and she didn't judge me. And me and her talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and it's the only but thing it, that's got us through. But, but that's happened. That's by happenstance, that, hasn't it? And I totally hear you, Dean, on that because... You know, there's been times where I've had to try and get counselling of all sorts of thingies, uh, all sorts of uh, types to, just to deal with things that happened. And you go in this fucking really weird thing where if you try and get anything from the NHS, right, much as I love the NHS, you, you, you're literally waiting half a year easily. Mm-hmm. Like, no... No disrespect, as I say, to the NHS, but to try if you need help in that moment, right? You need it, don't you? Getting yeah. a referral and a referral to an agency and an agency that ring you up in six weeks, and then you get a referral again for a diagnostic, and then from that, you it's just bullshit. Six months mm. down the line, you might see good someone. enough, and your alternative, obviously, is to fund yourself. But then you're into a complete like. Um, um, it, it, what's the word? You know, it, it, you know, a complete sort of um, anything goes. You know, you might find someone who's great. I remember, man, jeepers! I just I ended up paying like eighty quid a session to go and see this guy who would literally. I know it's part of his process, his methodology, but he would sit there and say nothing for forty-five minutes, 
And I'd be like, I'm not the most, outside of this, and Andy will disagree, I'm not the <laughs> most chatty and open person about, like, <laughs> shit that's going on up here, right? Last thing I want is to sit there for 45 minutes spilling my thingy without any response, you know. And, you know, there you go, there's your 80 quid. I'd be looking at the clock thinking, fucking hell, when will this end? But that's because I had to sort of self-refer and find something. And then mm-hmm. you start and it's like, am I any better off for burning through this cash? And I think maybe I am, but it doesn't feel like it. I'm more frustrated with the whole thing. Like you say, it's a connection thing. I got no connection mm-hmm. with this particular guy. But as I say, that was his methodology. That's that's what he studied and all that kind of thing. But no one's telling you this, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just hard, you know, and... and it shouldn't be. There are so many things where people reach out for support in the moment and it's not there. And I, I think that's a, a huge, you know, you find out about talking groups for whatever domain that is and, and they can be really helpful. Mm. Uh, but I think we have to do a lot of the work ourselves and I think that's that shouldn't be shouldn't be like that. You know, it feels I like agree. there's a, a, big, a big gap in like signposting and someone saying like I hear you I hear what you're going through and there's this and there's that and there's that and you know what you can start it this week yeah I I agree with you there Phil I mean it's brought something else up there and you used the word purpose before Dean and that's something that means a lot to me and I think sometimes that our future is often shaped by the events that happen in our life you know we don't know what's going to happen but when it happens then you go that's what I'm here for after all and just just to just to kind of share what I mean by that, I facilitated a, a suicide prevention group because I once myself was suicidal, probably going about 12 years ago, after really just screwing things up in my life, generally speaking. Um, I experienced that we had is that the NHS was sending, NHS with billions behind them, were sending suicidal men to our talking group. And we were all volunteers with no training. We just turned up once a week on a Monday night and a professional body who were there to save lives were sending people who were actively suicidal to our group and expecting us to deal with them as almost like we're their intervention as volunteers. So that put us under a lot of pressure. But just going back to your point about purpose there, Dean, you know, you, you said that you're campaigning at the moment. This is a really good platform to talk about something. Like if you could do something about it, if there's any game changes listening now, Dean, what do you want to happen? I think really quickly, just before I answer that, I the term mental health is the, one of the biggest issues I find because it's got this stigma that, mm. it, like, when mm. I was a kid, I probably speak for yeah. all similar age, like, oh, in the in the, in the nut house or in the mental institute, yeah. or it, it, it's your health, innit? Like, you don't say... Oh, I've, hurt, I've got physical health. I've got to hurt my elbow. Like you've, yeah. you've got poor health or you've got good health. And I think the stigma around that needs to change. And I think it is changing in fairness. I think men are getting more opportunity to be more open. Like my old man was very much like, son, you've got to be the man of the family now. And, and, and he was right, but I needed to sort myself out because otherwise if I brushed it under the carpet, there was a, there was a midlife, uh, a midlife crisis. No, sorry. That's where I'm at. <laughs> there was a nervous, there was a nervous there was a nervous breakdown around the corner. There, there would have been a nervous breakdown around the corner just purely based on the amount of emotion that needed to physically come out of mm-hmm. my body. Um, I just, I don't, and I understand that the guys that are probably charging top dollar in this market are, have spent <laughs> a lot of money becoming experts in their own field. And, and obviously, 
There has to be something at a government level which makes it easy. We went to the NHS in 2012 within two weeks of CC dying and we failed on a point system for council and we failed because a question like, well, I know it's a question like, do you get out of bed in the morning? Well, we still had two other kids at that point and of course we had to find a way. And I swear to you now, if we, and, and we spoke about this, me and Daniel on another chat that we were on, Without the two kids at the time, who knows where we would be? That's just an Andy. Your your honesty there, Andy, about what you've been through, I think, is great because I think the more that people, you're not looking for sympathy, are you? Like if someone, if someone feels sorry for me, I could knock mm-hmm. them out. I swear, not in a bad way, but that emotion does nothing for me. Yeah. It, it's a waste. Find a way to turn that into empathy, or and find absolutely a, something absolutely. that can help someone. Yeah. So, I would like. More than anything, I, I would to answer your question would be to make it more, to make it more, more people are going through mental health issues, and I've just used the word I just, I've just said I don't like there. Post COVID, and there's still a there's still a tsunami to come, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. More help needs to be there because you just made a point there, Phil. If you're vulnerable enough to pick the phone up and ask for help in that yeah. moment, and you've just told, "Oh, fill out a form, we'll see you in six months." That's where people are disappearing. That that is just not acceptable, is it? So, um, making it more open for, for, for normal people who haven't got top dollar to get help, it has to be part of of what the government bring. And I'm, you know, there's an election this year. Hopefully, that that will yeah. change. Uh, and just to just to continue to have the conversation, like the fact I'm a football, and, I, and I've been, I'll be honest with you, like I've been told in the past. Clearly, I've not listened to them. That me being as open as I am in um, platforms like this about my life, about, I talk about my wife a lot, clearly, I talk about my kids, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more professional and talk about my career. And and I think that, and I know this is the biggest cliche ever, but I I really believe in it. If one person hears it, so we spoke before, didn't we, about Mm. who listens to this, who listens to this podcast. Hopefully this can, can get some more and more followers Dave told me it was going out to millions, so hopefully that's um, <laughs> that's going to continue. But you know that, that it doesn't matter what sex you are. I'm not interested. But walking the dog on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night, whatever you're doing, you're driving your car, whatever you're watching your little and playing football or cricket, and you're listening to this, and you can hear a football manager speaking like this and saying, "There is." I swear now, if you're on the canvas and you think there is no help, there is. There absolutely is. And I would just love it if more people spoke on open and honestly mm. about their experiences without fear, without fear of retribution. And I know why people at the top end in elite, not just sport, but in business don't, you know, I know why they keep themselves guarded because of social media. And, but I, I think there's a platform that I've got. I believe I was put on this earth, not only to be a really good father, hopefully, and a husband, and hopefully very good in the, in the industry that I've chosen, which is football, but to help other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I do remember, like, on a very micro level, like, within the first couple of we, me, Dave, and Andy talk about this quite a lot, but within the first couple of weeks of us doing this podcast, like, an old mate of mine bailed me up and just said, Can I have a chat? Can I have a chat with you? I just thought it was a work thing. It was like, I've not spoken to this guy for a while. We'll have a chat about some sort and cook some up to do together. And he, and he kind of then offloaded about, stuff that was happening in his life. He says, well, I've listened to the podcast 
And, you know, you guys, I didn't really, really appreciate that. I could talk to you about this kind of thing. And it's like, fucking hell, you know, within a couple of weeks of doing it, it's it's done mm. it's done the job just, just for one person yeah. and that's enough. So, you know, and I think that was always the point that we could just, we if we're going to be honest, open and honest about stuff, you know, then other mm. people might feel comfortable doing it, you know. Here's an idea. Have you, I, I imagine every it's talking point at the moment is the post office oh, yeah. drama. You've seen it, right? Scandalous. Incredible. Without Mister Bates, without Mister Bates, who again is another adopted hero of mine, without him going to that particular church hall and taking a stab and a gamble at people turning up, which they did, that would be brilliant. That'd be. I'm, just, I'm giving you an idea for your next podcast live. Rock up at somewhere in northern england with a date and i bet i bet you a load of fellas and and hopefully maybe some women as well would turn up and, and be open and free to post the message one step sure ahead of people, people one step ahead here one step ahead here just uh we've got walking cod coming up yeah walking cod there we go haven't yeah. we dev we do indeed yeah yeah you should do you know what mate if you if you're still unemployed, you should come along. It'd be decent. It'd be good to see you. It'd be good to see you, real <laughs> world, mate. Real Cheeky world. Master. But we'll see. But we'll see. But that's so, the whole point, wasn't it? It's like we'll get out and go and do a real world thing. And it then is. There's no. Yeah. There's no agenda or anything. It's just let's go and have a walk and have a nap. You know. And it, Rock up. I really, really, really hope I can't make that. I really can't make, I can't it. make it. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping again. to be working. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I'll, listen, even if I'm working, as long as it's not a Saturday at three o'clock, I'll make a point of being there. Don't worry about that. So, so we, we've we've spoke about where 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 you've been, where we've been, where we are right now as well. Um, quite a poignant time, really, because when when people are working in a particular sector, you mentioned becoming about institutionalised, they become that, and that's all they seem to become blinkered at. And what I've just heard now, Dean, is that speaking with you. You've got so much in common with us. I, my perception, and I'm sure this perception of people who, who watch football in particular, um, is that all he is is football, 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 and without football, this person's nothing. Now you wear more than that, obviously. You, you know, you're a deep thinker. You meditate. You do yoga. You adore your family. You know, all these things, which are very, very similar to, to many of us, anyway. You could potentially be successful in many different fields and many different sections, you know, different sectors, if you so desired. Is that, do you still see football as your future or do you see yourself doing anything else? You know, for, like, for example, within psychology or public speaking or, or coaching people at different levels, you know, do you, have, you, have, you, have you looked beyond being a Premier League manager, for example? Thanks for, you, you've not seen my GCSE results, so. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter though, does it? That's in the past. For me, it, and again, this is a message that we spread to our kids all, all the time, is that find a purpose and find something that you're absolutely passionate about. Don't end up in a... I couldn't give a monkey's if one of my kids ended up in a so-called really poor job like a bin man or something. If they were absolutely passionate about making the streets clean and they loved it, then go for it, genuinely. Because I can't think of anything worse than waking up in the morning and just like living for the weekend like too many of my mates still Monday to Friday they graft the nuts off and it's all about the weekend and at times I'm a little bit jealous I'll be honest with you but football has been my whole life I've been very very lucky that it's given me that and it's aside from my family and and psychology it is my only like mad passion like I, I, I get imposter syndrome a lot like I love to go and do public speaking and this is where me and 
me and Dave mm-hmm. met, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Luke Staten, who's doing a fantastic job at the moment with this type mm-hmm. of stuff, um, helping out kids in schools and all that. He's, he's, I am sweating and I'm nervous before I go on stage, but when I'm, if I'm talking about what we're talking about now, I'm more than comfortable. I, th- I feel mm-hmm. I'm, it's my life and I'm, and I'm an expert in what I've been through because it's my life. I feel a bit like that in football. You know, I, I trained to be a, a referee back in 2011 because I was so worried about coming out of... I came out of the game of football at 35 with not a great deal of money behind me. I played at the lower level because of injuries and whatever else and we didn't have a load of money behind us to retire. We had to work for the... You know, and I was worried that if I didn't become a coach, how was I going to stay in this beautiful game that I, that I absolutely just... I'm obsessed with and <laughs> I didn't last long in that I hated it I absolutely hated it um, so to answer your question I'd like to do both Andy I'd like to become that assistant you know and I'm more than open about being an assistant manager I've done that a few times and I love that as well but mm. being involved in football in coaching and helping youngsters progress and develop and then using that platform to go and, and, and do public speaking and, and maybe in the future there's a technical director role there or sporting director or something like that which I'd be, which I'd be quite open to I think um, but I, it's just I have to be in and around football. I think I just I'm I'm just fascinated and obsessed with it, and always have been. Mm, love that. And is it is it the is it the environment or is it the impact that you can have? You know, is it is it seeing people progress, improve, using their skills, proclivities, gifts, etc., or is it just an environment where you just feel like I belong here? I think it's all of the above. I think when when you when you sat at home and on a Tuesday night, say, and there's a a game on the TV and one of the players that you're working with has like messages you and says oh did you see what um, do you see what Bruno Fernandes has just done there that's what we were working on like when you get that buy-in and I go back a lot to that teacher at school that got me a lot of teachers I couldn't listen to I couldn't give them monkeys I didn't feel they cared much about me they were there to do a job and by the way I'm not judging them the pay's not great but there's that one teacher that got me and connected with me and there was something there where I thought I want to work hard for them and I want to show them how yeah. good I can be and, and we know how powerful that can be that's a big part of, of why I want to be a coach the other side of it is there's a picture of me on the internet at five years old when Norman Whiteside scored that worldie against Everton in 85 in the FA Cup final and we went and had the, the picture with the FA Cup at Old Trafford and I'm there at five years old with a full United kit on the FA Cup bigger than me and <laughs> going my dad used to take me around the country and even now, as a as a coach, if I go to a stadium I've never been to before, you know, when you go, when you see the pitch and the seats for the first time at a new ground that you've never been to, the buzz that you got as a kid, I still get that now as a as a as a manager, as a coach. It's that buzz of being in and around football. It, like I'm, you know, what I'm missing the most at the moment, the competitive side of it, like the competition mm. of of pitting your wits against someone on a weekend and seeing if you can out outdo them and and all them types of things. So. I think, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's an all-round package. It's just, it, I fell in love with football through my dad at whatever, three, four years old. Um, mm. And it's just, I'm just, I'm a mad football fan who's been lucky enough to, to be paid to be in the industry. And I know that sounds a bit, what do they call it? Not self-indulging, a bit self, like you don't give yourself enough credit. I think I've, you know, I've worked mm. my nuts off to get to where I've got to. I'm well aware of that, but you still need the opportunities, don't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, it's, and I think it's great that you, you you find the environment where you thrive in. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with being competitive. There's a lot of bullshit going on about, you know, we should try to beat that out of people about being competitive. How else do we evolve and improve ourselves if we can't be competitive against each other? You know, I, I don't see how we can just develop as, as individuals, whether it's in the sports arena, the business arena, or any walk of life. How can you become better without having an element of competitiveness? So I, complete, I completely buy into that as well. Um there's so much I'm taking from this, and I do feel like it's going to be a second podcast coming up if you, if you be up for this in the, in the future, Dean. Um, so we we tend to do. Are you ready for this, Phil? We tend to do something called quick fire. <laughs> and quick fire. Um, I don't know, Phil. You need to explain but, what this means. I think our listeners know enough. I mean, if you I think do they need know to now. explain how quick fire. Yeah, I think we'll sack that off. Refer to previous episodes. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's give it a go and then you can just edit it. How does that sound? And we can, we can do a bit of coaching on what quick fire means. So I've got um, quick, quick questions. Who, who's on, Dean? Sorry, my son's just walked in. So he's a, similar to you, Dave. So my son's just left school. He's become a scholar at Oldham Athletic, Andy, you'd be pleased to know. So uh, this, is yes. the, this is the buzz I get now as a, as a parent. So he's just walked in the door. He's finished early because they've got a game tomorrow. They're playing Salford City. And I, I just said to him, are you playing? He said, yeah, I'm playing. So he's, he's, deser- he's, he's deserving of his place in the team now. Now he's got to keep his place in the is team. Is it Joey That's or Joey, Ellis? That. That's Joey. Ellis, will be, Ellis is on his way home from school as we speak. But Joey, yeah, well done, son. Sorry, that's... Uh, nice. Um, <laughs> well done from me as well, Joey. Well done from the guys. But really quickly before the quick fire, you, you can edit this out if we've not got it, if it goes over the time. But it's a big passion of mine. There's kids don't fail enough nowadays. They don't fail enough. Like the job of a the job of a parent, the job of a, a curriculum is to set your kids up to be able to progress in life. And unfortunately, when you leave school and you go into the big bad world, things are going to hit you in the face and you need to be prepared for it. And I'm I'm really worried that the and this is not about like the kids of today are soft and that I don't believe that at all. I think every every generation thinks that, you know, they had it worse than the next. And and our job as parents is to provide me and Danielle are merely trying to set our kids up to prepare for life, but to give them more than we had. Like, we were caravan holidays in Wales. It was the best upbringing. I couldn't have had a better upbringing. But we still go to camping and caravan holidays, even if we then might go to Spain and have a week in Spain, because you want to do more for your kids than we've done for you. But you have to mm. you have to encourage them to fail and learn, because otherwise 100%. you're doing them a massive disservice. You, you know, you're, you're stitching them yeah. up, aren't you? You're stitching your kids yeah. up for life. I totally, yeah. t- I totally, totally agree. I say that to my two all the time. I constantly say, look, shit don't always go to plan. And the fact it doesn't go to plan, that's all right. It doesn't matter. It's what you learn from it at that point. Because well, if everything out, did yeah. go to plan, yeah. mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to learn. You're not going to grow, you know. And also, mm. you got a graft, haven't you? Exactly. The best, you, you need, and we mentioned it before, you, you need elements of stress you don't want consistent stress because that does not good for you. But fluctuation stress, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that because it's basically you got to you got to dig deep. You got to get your shit together. You got to think about what you want to do to motivate mm-hmm. yourself to move on. And exactly what you said then, Dean. You know, with regards to you want to provide and give more to your kids, but on the flip side of it, you don't want it to be too much that it be just becomes absolutely expected. I want this and I want it now. Don't always fucking happen, that guys. You got, you got to work. We've got a sign. You, you, might, be able, you might be able to read half of it here. Yeah. It's a sign that we, 
don't wait for the storm to pass, learn to dance in the rain. I think it's the most magical quote that. Yeah, and I'm not massive it. on quotes because it can be a bit David Brent, but that's just... <laughs> Get the guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it is, you know, and, and I do think that, edu- I mean, my wife's in education, so, but, you know, I think the way education has gone, it sort of, it mollycoddles my kids in a way that, you know, if they don't know the answer, the answer is sort of given to them or that, you know, you don't, mm. you don't. And I think there's a whole, God, psychological thing that that's carried through, whether it's come from social media or what, you know, where kids are kind of encouraged to, oh, well, you know, you know, I've I, I failed at that. So, you know, that's who, that's just who I am. I'm not very good at that, you know, rather than thinking I'm going to dust myself down and do better next time, you know. So I think you bang on the money, Dean, there. And, and it is incumbent on us as parents to to sort of deal with that and and, and, and not mollycoddle kids, not mollycoddle them, not, not sort of, you know, because – you know, all all the times I've had things go wrong, you just learn from it, don't you? You just dust yourself down mm-hmm. and think because you're a grafter and you've built up some resilience. However, you know, you build up re- resilience by having shit go wrong. That's what you're, you're saying. <laughs> yes, you, you do. Know? So, yes, you do. I think, you know, that, you do. That, yeah. If you, if you, if you if nothing ever goes wrong, you know, it's going to hit you big time when it when it finally does. You know, so. Think, think, you know. But you're right. But that that's incumbent on us as parents to my 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 little girl's on the way on now, and you know, I'm already sort of thinking, you know, that's the, you know, that's the mantra. It's the best job you have in the world. I think it's, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a Buddhist phrase, isn't it? Life is suffering. That's actually what life is. Life isn't about being happy. Life is about learning how to deal with the shit. And Dave, you spoke about about it before as well. You know, you've you've developed thick skin resilience because of the rejections you've had being self-employed. You know, I think that's I absolutely agree. We need to learn how to fail as soon as possible. Yeah. I'll just fail take fast. feedback and fail learn fast. from that shit sometimes. Fail, fail fast. fast. Well, yeah, and it's you know we. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Quick fire, because I'm, I'm conscious, Dean, do that it, do Ellis it. is on his way out. Let's do it. And um, So quick fire, let's do it. And I'm going to try and keep it on topic, so apologies if, it, if this doesn't resonate. And this is for everyone to jump in, and I don't mind playing along as well. Favourite sports person ever, that can be football or non-football, who wants to go first? Brian Robson. Oh, yeah. Right. That's my dad's favourite player. Yeah. Yeah, I was in. A, I was in a, a little restaurant in the late. Oh, he's killed the quick fire. He's killing the quick us. fire already. Is quick fire, <laughs> Phil. How many out. times? It's gone, Phil. Quick, go on, do it, do it, do it. Does it? Oh, let me tell you this quick story for twenty minutes. Go on, Bob Fleming. He never shuts up, does he? Oh, I won't say more. Don't take the huff. Don't take the huff. Be resilient, Phil. Be resilient. Do it. Say it quick. My, my, I, oh, Cantona, isn't it? Cantona, what a hero, what a legend, what a, just someone that completely sat, didn't do the fucking bullshit, it was just his own person in his own bubble, said yeah, what the fuck he wanted and was an amazing player. You know, so yeah. Cantona, total legend. And I was in a nightclub with my, Eric Cantona <laughs> once, anyway. That's another story for another day. Some about sardines and trailers there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I, I've got to agree with that one. What about yourself? What about yourself, Dave? Oh, I quite like Mike Tyson. 
I just like I just everything oh, about him. Oh, who doesn't? Everything about him, man. Yeah. You know, just for just for beast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and seeing him now, you know, seeing him now, I think from what he was to what he became and now what he is, it's just like, you know what, why not? Mm. I think I'd, I'd go with uh, Daley Thompson, yeah. I was a hero of mine. Because um, he's an spectrum is that? Andy? Absolutely, Brody yeah, of course, keyboard. yeah. Decathlon, um and in terms of footballers, Gunnar Haller. I can't believe nobody's mentioned Gunnar Haller. I'm, I'm the only person in the world that talks about Gunnar Haller. I, I still think I was going to call Brandon Gunnar, Gunnar Hall, Gunnar Haller. Well, Nicky really? won't have it at all. So we went with it's Brandon. It's a great yeah. name. Yeah. Absolutely. She just won't have it at all. She goes, that. I think Gunnar sounds rock hard. It does. But it probably doesn't translate as well. Anyway, um, so what if you if you didn't do what you're doing now, this is to everyone, what would you do? So if um, if you weren't in your current sector or current job, what would you do? I'd like to be a tram driver. Piece of piss. Absolute. There's two buttons. Go, stop. Job sorted. If you wanted the nice. total opposite, where you didn't have to give a shit, I'm, I apologise to any Metrolink drivers oh listening my to word. this thingy. Oh, my and, word. And I've, I've mis, misinterpreted the role. But I sometimes think, you know... Because I've got... So it's quick round, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I love the if fact that it's, it's genius. It's genius because he just... He goes. <laughs> Dave Dean? Me? I would... Uh, military. What job would you have? 100% military. Yeah. And I never did it. Something oh, yeah, I always wanted I to do. I, 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 I'll never get to experience it, but that environment to be part of a team and a crew to push yourself to the absolute extreme. I'd be back in the military and try and go and try and go up. I'd love to do it. You are the white goggins as far as I can I'd see. Love you to are do it. an animal machine. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you as that. What about yourself, Dean? Non football. Think outside the box. There is no box. <laughs> yeah you know what, my uncle's my uncle was a fireman as a kid and Six, seven year old. I remember going down the pole, and it was it was brilliant. But the the older I've got, the more I think like I'd be running the other way. I think genuinely would be running the other way. You've got to have some balls of steel, aren't you, to be a to be a fireman? But that was that was aside from football as a kid, that was the, something I was interested in. I would say so. Yeah, mate, let's fireman. let's go with that. Let's go with fireman. Fireman Dean, I like that. Um, and I want to be an athlete when I grow up. That's it. Pure and simple. Eight hundred meters, following the footsteps of Steve Orvet. That's what I'd want to do. Fair play, man. Um, Fair play. We we we're going through we're going we're going through time very very quickly right now, and I think this should be a follow up podcast. But um, this is at the point now we kind of bring some sort of summaries to what we've reflected on in this on this chat, um, and kind of share that with with our, our listeners, our millions of listeners, eh, Dave? Um, so just quick summaries, Phil. Dave and Dean, you know what? What have we taken from this chat? What's what's relevant? What what are the lessons that we'd like to share? Who's going first? Yeah, I mean, for me, and whether the terminology is whether the terminology is right or not, I think the conversation we've been having, Dean, as with regards to when it was like your like the private and public sort of like visibility and things like that, and don't judge a book by a cover because you don't, you know, what you're seeing there isn't necessarily what's happening here. And today, the conversation we've had. If if nobody uh, if if nobody really knew you, it, it's open. Do you know what I mean? They, they get to see who you are. That's why I quite like looking at 
I watch a lot of sports documentaries, you know, when you see like and around football, when you see behind the scenes and things like that, you know, and I guess from a manager's perspective, all you see from a manager's perspective is what you see on that pitch and the interview afterwards and that's it. But when you see the docs, you get to see the real person behind the scene. And I love that. And today we've been able to have an even bigger conversation with you, mate, about, you know, mm. some quite deep personal stuff. So, yeah, don't judge a book by a fucking cover, you know, from what you see. You know, give, it's it's not as black and white as that. I like it. Go on, Phil. Yeah, same, really. Same. It's just like those, like, emotional points on the journey there that, that Dean shared with us you know, and, and, and the impacts that I have and the ways of dealing with that. And just the whole thing of sharing that is just, you know, um, because I think we've come from a period where people in the public eye, in back in the day, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, people didn't, you know, think, things would just be pushed under the carpet if anything happened. It'd be like, you know, and I think just that openness to talk about, stuff that's happened and actually not just to talk about what's happened but actually to go you know what I'm going to I'm going to do my damnedest to sort this out so it doesn't happen for other people I think mm-hmm. is um, is you know turning the negative energy as I think Dean said into some empathy mm-hmm. and some action like it's just spot on and we you know if we could yeah. all take that you know how do you deal with the shit you're dealing with and turn it into something where the next person in that, I mean, there's something I've got going on at the minute. I'm doing exactly the same. It's like, if I can get to the point where the next person in this position doesn't have to deal with this in the same way, you, you fuck all the money, fuck all of that. Yeah, like nice. how, Legacy, how do you change the experience of the next mm. person going through the same, same sort yeah. of thing you're doing? That's what it's all about. Yeah, I like that. I think think for me it's very, very similar to what you what you both said, slightly different twist on it. I mean, first of all, like we're all pretty much human beings anyway, whether in the public eye or not in the public eye. I think it's a beforehand Dean that we all take a shit in the morning anyway, or hopefully we do anyway. Um so we've <laughs> all got the same sort of- That's my advice. I'm paying that one forward. Prunes. This is Phil who doesn't want to talk much. He, he, he even interrupts when it's not his bit. Um, so there's, so there's, we're all, we're all the same. You know, we're all human beings. You know, we've all got red blood and stuff like that. Um, vulnerability to me feels like more of a strength than a weakness, with, without without doubt. But I think what what stands out to me, Dean, what I picked up on, we didn't really say a great deal about it, was, I mean. In this podcast, you're the star of this podcast today. You know, you're one of us, but you are the star of the podcast. You're our guest. But I think the stars of this podcast are the people who have allowed that to happen. Those people have had your back and Danielle's back through the times that you were suffering. You know, having those places like the Beacon of Hope, for example, I think they're the stars of the show, really, as far as I'm concerned. The ones who've allowed us to get through the shit we have to deal with, the ones who have not asked for anything in return. They just, they're there. And I think we all as human beings and our listeners as well owe it to you know to our to our friends and, and and family to just be there for other people when they need it and then you know the world's just going to be a better place and hopefully people will speak more openly and just create the environment where people are just not judged for feeling a bit low at times and so we can get through it quicker that's what i took from this from from this um dean what do you take from this chat well, I've, first of all, I've absolutely loved it. I've not looked, you know, an hour and a half, which I've very, very much enjoyed. So, you know, that's gave me a, a nice afternoon, actually. So I appreciate that. I think 
the biggest thing for me is you don't walk around with a with a name tag with a tag above your head saying what you're going through or or anything. People, you know, you, you pull your jacket up and you get on with it. And we, we're four northern blokes of a similar age. We've all in different ways today, exploit ways that we've been struggling at different times. So exactly what you just said there, if people could be more empathetic towards each other, um, I think the world would be a better place. I think that's the next stage. And I think you, you, I don't want, I don't watch the news. Like genuinely, someone will say to me, have you seen what's happened? Like some massive thing. And I'd know, not interested because it's so negative and, you know, what's going on? I'm not going to bring it political. As much as my brain kick keeps going, out, kick him out. I'll say it. something kick about the Tories, but I'm not going to. Shut up, interrupt him. It's so difficult in this country at the moment. Yeah. It, it's really difficult, in it? it? I'm not saying it's more or less difficult than the 80s, or because I wasn't properly around at that time, but it's difficult at the moment for kids and for families to, to make ends meet. Like, we're having the piss took out of us, yeah. and people are struggling, and people are trying their best to go to work and make a life for themselves. So, if you can, if you can just look out for the guy either side of you, male or female, um, and try not to judge. I think uh, that's my sort of parting shot, really. But again, fellas, I've really, really enjoyed that. So thank you oh, so nice. much. Good. Yeah. No. Thanks for thanks for being you as well, Dean. I think you said before before yeah. you just wanted to be you and not what people perceive of you or what the public might see of you. I, yeah. I've connected with immediately, and I was. Trying not to be starstruck, by the way, as a recovering Oldham Athletic fan and actually watching you perform at Boundary Park and have res- resisted that temptation. You are a, as, as a normal a bloke as I could ever, ever, ever wish for. So thank you for being you. That's, it's, it's, been a, it's been a genuine privilege to have you on board. And I was almost in tears at one point. In fact, I did have a cheeky little, little cry to myself there, but then um, I'll blame it on the camera. Um, so thanks for, for being part of this for us today. Pleasure. Um, Dave, do the honours. Oh, in fact, just 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 one more thing as well. You think it's worth out doing just just one or two quick shout outs as well. I think you started doing this before, Dean. Um, quick shout out to we've already mentioned Luke Staten. I had a really good chat with Luke Staten after one of the podcasts we've recorded. It's coming on um, soon, boys. It's coming on soon. It's coming on soon. Yeah. So Luke, uh, so shout out to Luke Staten. Great stuff. My mate Paul Heald is also an, an unfortunate Oldham Athletic fan. He's just got himself a new job after being dropped as well recently. He's not a footballer, but he thinks he's a footballer. Pretty shit, really. Um, but shout out to my mate Paul, who's been having a difficult time recently as well, and things are just turning around for him now, so there's hope for all of us. Chris Patel as well has got a very similar background to yourself, Dean. Played football, pivoted in his life. Um, shout out to him as well because he's changing young people's lives every single day so there's a few shout outs from me anybody else? Uh, shout out to my missus who's doing something very difficult today and um, yeah not going to talk about it on the podcast but it's it's something for her future that I'm really proud of her about and it's not easy at all Beautiful. so one, the one time my missus is going to get a shout out on this is uh, right now Fair play, mate. Fair play, Thank mate. You. Fair play. Dev? Yeah, for me, for me, guys, I, to the listeners, keep listening. You know, it's, it's, it's awesome that we've got, that you guys are still there. It's growing, you know, and you keep coming back, which is, which is fantastic, you know. So, yeah. Lovely. Right. Can I just interrupt really quickly just about socials? Not to grow my followers because I'm not asked about that, but like if any I'm very open in terms of direct messaging, in terms of, I get a lot of people saying I'm I'm in London, I'm in Bristol, I'm struggling with this, this and that. Do it, man. Do and it. Just pointing people in the right direction. So 
at Dean Holden UK on Twitter. And I think it's at Dean Hold H-O-L-D, on, on Instagram, I think. Holden! Oh, sorry. So I thought, Holden, I thought I said Holden, sorry. <laughs> what a knob. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll share, Dean, we'll make sure if we get your socials from Dave, we'll add them to the podcast bio as well. So people can reach out directly. Yeah, nice work. So. Cheers, Dean. Thank you. Nice one, mate. Guys, it's been awesome. Absolutely fabulous. Another another really, really good uh, episode in the can. Dean, mate, thank you very, very much. It was a pleasure to meet you on day one. It's been great to keep in touch with you and I really appreciate you coming on today. Some really, really, you know, great conversation and valuable insights. So all the listeners that are out there, keep listening. Thanks for coming back. Keep coming back. If you like what you hear, give us a like, give us a, a give us a share, give us a comment and a subscribe. And if you want to get in touch, if you've got any thoughts with topics that we're talking about, or you want to get in touch and dust for a convo, or you may even want to come on the pod, drop us uh, drop us an email at hello at talkingcod.com. And we'll see you at Walking Cod. Indeed. See you there. We will do. Bosh. Brilliant. Have a great weekend, guys. Nice love, one, love everyone. The, love Cheers, the three guys. of you. Cheers, guys. Take care.